Hello and welcome to the Uncapped Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Sands, and joining me this week as co-host is Dan Gross, who, if you got to, if you're watching and you got to see the new intro video, Dan was kind enough to stop at Waradaka and make those shots. Thank you. And we're joined this week with Keith Core from Waradaka Brewing. Howdy. Thank you so much for driving up uh, 270 to join us. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm, I'm honored to, to participate in the podcast. So uh, as I was telling you beforehand, I've it's actually been months that I wanted to contact you and have you on, and then just all these things keep happening that it's shifting around who we have on. But then after we had Ben on, Ben Little on from Manor Hill last week, I was like, well, now I absolutely have to, so we can continue filling in the branches of the family tree. There you go. There you go. So um, first, though, let's get right into your history. What? How did you get into brewing? Uh, are you a Maryland native? Sure. Yeah. Um, again, thanks for thanks for having me. Um, I grew up in kind of the Northern Virginia, Prince William County area. Um, went to college in in, um, in Virginia, and then kind of always been in this area. I taught uh, high school for four years. Um, oh, what you teach? I taught. I was a high school math teacher in uh, Prince William in uh, Fairfax County. Oh, cool. So, um, kind of toward the end of that, knew I wanted to change schools, and my wife and I were um, in Ellicott City, and, and started to really, um, you know, enjoy a lot of craft beer, and you know, the beer scene was really exploding at that time. Um, she bought me my first homebrew kit um, when I was teaching homebrewed for about eight, nine months and knew that I wanted to change schools and just didn't really know if I was going to stay in teaching or, or go into beer. And um, I, I had a connection, um, Katie Fry, who was still stu- still at Flying Dog. She got me the in at, at Flying Dog and kind of just climbed my way up there. So started in the lab and, and kind of saw all the you know, kind of the behind the scenes stuff about how to make beer there while still doing a lot of the grunt work. Um, did that for about six months, uh, dry hopping tanks and, and pulling the yeast out of the tanks. Um, and then, you know, after that six months time frame, kind of just learned the different departments, you know, they have the cellar, the filtration, um, cellar kind of cleaning and prepping the tanks, making sure beers ferment correctly. Um, the, uh, filtration, which is filtering and uh, carbonating the beer, getting it red for, ready for packaging, and then ultimately learning the brew house. And, um, you know, so definitely saw all all different spectrums. I worked in every department except the packaging, which I'm kind of wishing I would have spent some time in the packaging <laughs> department. But, um, you know, I was there for four years. And, and um, you know, toward the end of that four-year uh, time frame, I mean, the great thing about Flying Dog is they're making um, a lot of products. So you get to see every process of beer making many times so you can really you know you really learn it you know i feel like i can uh, do some of the processes still a flying dog kind of in my sleep a little bit so you kind of get a lot of repetition which just helps you you know it's helping me on everyday processes that i have at, at wardaka now um yeah and that's kind of that's kind of how i and then kind of the wardaka brewing company started to come to fruition and um flying dog has been supportive the whole way through you know i gave them plenty of lead time and um like I said, I was, I'm totally grateful for my four years there, you know, learned a lot and uh, met a lot of great people there. Yeah, I would I would think that starting out at a large brewery that's been around for a while and has figured out, I would assume, a, how the proper way to do a lot of things, it's a great place to learn and to get those processes because I, I would assume you, there's probably SOPs for absolutely everything that takes place there. Yeah, there is, you know, um, some of which have more or less value to me, you know, in, in like in our current brewery now. Um, but again, just that, you know, they have gotten efficiency down, you know what I mean? They 
today we're double brewing at Waradaka and like, you know, flying dog trip, uh, quadruple brews into every, you know, almost every tank they have. So just kind of seeing, you know, basically, um, if Waradaka ever gets there, I can run a big brewery too. <laughs> <laughs> and you, uh, you start in a lab at flying dog. So you did <clears throat> sort of the science part of it. Well, you know, I, I got to see that up close and personal. Yeah. Um, basically all the, you know, the lab is kind of the, the brains of the whole, the whole brewery. So they're making decisions on packaging. They're making sure that, you know, the seams and the crowns are right on the cans and bottles. They're, um, you know, they're stop. you know, they're, they're kind of chilling the tank when it's done fermenting. They're telling you which yeast to pull out and pitch that yeast into which tank. So, um, while I wasn't really doing a lot of that stuff, I, I was able to be in the area and, and observe all that happening. Mm-hmm. Um, while, you know, dry hopping five or six tanks a day and, and going to other five or six tanks and pulling the yeast out, you know, so I got to see the lab run and how the operations of the, of the, of the brewery run, but then also got to, you know, throw some parts around and, and do some things in the cellar and, and see what those guys are doing. And those are really the, the guys moving all the products. So I got to see that and know, knew that that's where I wanted to go. So. So let's talk a little bit about the origins of Waradaka and, you said it is a made-up name, but it did. It does have an or- origin, so you could sure. give us just the history of the the farm itself and the inception of opening the brewery. Sure, yeah. So, um, Wardaka, um, you know, Wardaka Farm started in um, 1932. Um, it was. It's on its second location now. We moved to the farm that we're currently at in the 50s, in the in the early 50s. Um, Wardaka stands for Washington Recreational Day Camp. So um, my wife's grandfather founded the farm um, to, you know, there was a lot going on. There was kind of the, um, you know, World War, World War II, you know, we were in between wars there and they needed um, a lot of parents were going to work during that time frame. So there, there was a need to, to put to house a lot of kids, you know, so they were an overnight camp for um, a couple hundred kids um, starting in again starting in the in 1932 all the way up to the late 80s we had a we had an overnight camp there um, so the brewery right now is in the old um, girls dining hall our tasting room is in the old boys dining hall um, there is like a commercial range hood because we did have a commercial kitchen because the, the farm was feeding um, again a couple hundred kids um, a day um, so the farm was very much kind of built for entertaining almost you know that you know my my father-in-law is very used to having a lot of people on the farm you know sometimes people you know it is a 230 acre farm so people ask what's it like to have so many people on your family farm well it's always had it's always been a place of gathering and always been an entertaining type place um it kind of faded out the overnight camp in the late 80s um you know i think that i don't know the exact reasons but i think insurance was one of them i think um you know, having a couple hundred kids and having horses and, and a lake. And, you know, I think carrying that much insurance got a little, kind of a little crazy. So, um, they've always had horses. Um, they kind of phased in the, the horse, you know, went full on with the horses there. Um, and then, you know, so right now it's a, a fully functioning, um, equestrian center. You can, there's an indoor riding arena. We have, um, 70 or 80 horses on the property at all times. Um, there's a couple events where, uh, you know, two or 300 horses are on the farm for two or three days. So there's, there's big horse events there, um, of which the tasting room is open. Um, you know, and, and the whole farm is an ag preserve. Um, so one of the things you can do under the ag, 
uh, reserve is um, an agriculture. Anything has to anything added has to be agriculturally related. Um, a farm brewery, which is what we are, that kind of is an allowable use. So it's definitely a value added business in an ag preserve um, setting. So are you growing hops or mm-hmm. ingredients on on the farm too? Yep. So so for what you know the the farm brewery that we're meeting is um, yeah we're growing hops. We have two hundred uh, Cascade plants that are about to go into their uh, second. Uh, they're about to go into their third uh, full growing season. So hopefully we'll start to see some pretty sizable yields on that. <coughs> um, we have honeybees on site. Honeybees are tough. We're learning how to get some high yield off of honeybees, but um, you know we are we are using the honey from that in in a beer. Um, and um, then we have kind of like a brewer's garden, basically kind of a big commercial garden where we're growing a lot of the herbs um, that we use for the beers. Um, so. Uh, one of which is lemon verbena. So our kind of our, if we had a flagship, it would be our Beecher IPA, which is basically a, a lemon verbena, um, I, you know, IPA. It's 5.8, so wherever you want to feel like that is. But it's a lemon verbena IPA that's also Centennial forward. Centennial already has that kind of citrusy, lemony um, characteristic. So lemon verbena is a nice, nice um, complement to that. Herbs are a way that we can grow a lot of flavor and not that much um you know, vegetal mass, you know, in, in a bush of lemon verbena that can produce a lot of, a lot of that characteristic that we can spread out throughout batches. So that's just, that's a type of herb? Yeah, lemon verbena is, um, I don't know, it's, it's similar to almost basil, but it is very strong lemony, lemony characteristic. It's used in a lot of like cocktails, um, but we use it as a dry hop, you know, we take a big kind of, big kind of ball of that and drop that in the tank, just like we would dry hop a, t- uh, you know, a beer, um, after fermentation and it gives it a nice citrusy, uh, little punch to it. So I, this question's led to, cause I'm pretty sure this is the exact reason why Dan is doing it, but do you have a lot of people bringing their kids for horseback riding lessons just so the dad can escape away to have a beer while they're, we have noticed a lot of fathers are getting into dropping their kids off for <laughs> lessons. Usually it was uh, rotating duty. Now M- it's Mom's like, no longer the yeah. only person dropping. Although, yes. although my wife actually, she's a craft beer lover too, and she actually takes that duty very happily. <laughs> <laughs> She'll come and, because the lesson is, starts right when the brewery opens. And so she also can perfectly planned. Yes, <laughs> I can't. I can't speak to the popularity of lessons on <laughs> Thursday through Sundays, but I can imagine they're not hurting. I'm sure. <laughs> so the let's talk a little. So you mentioned your Beecher IPA, which if you had a flagship, that would be your flagship. What other beers have you done that were really well received and yeah. that you're very proud of? Sure. Yeah. So uh, Beecher's year round. So is our Reveille. Reveille is. Um, Reveille is like the, um, you know, there's taps that they play at the end of the day. Reveille is the morning bugle call. Um, You know, get up out of bed type thing. They used to play that right right on campus where the hops are grown. Um, They used to play that to kind of get the kids out of the out of the cabins um that's our coffee stout and that does really well it's a seven and a half percent coffee stout which we're using uh cocoa nibs and then uh mayorga um you know montgomery county roasted coffee in um so again it's pretty you know it's not real sweet it's pretty dry but definitely for your for your uh, black coffee lovers that's the that's the coffee stout to go for that's been a really um nice hit for us our honey wheat called little dam um is also really popular in a tasting room and we're starting to see some good traction with that in in off-site accounts as well so those are our kind of um year-round beers um we're just pulling into spring you know spring uh, seasonals right now our belgian wit is called white flag 
and um, that does really well for us. That's That runs all through the spring, summer, and into the fall. Um, the fun thing with that is we'll fruit it with different fruits depending on um, you know, the growing season. So I think last year we did a black raspberry and a red raspberry version of that. Um, still adding that at the end of fermentation. So it won't provide real sweetness, but it, you do get some color and a really nice, um, you know, berry kind of characteristic to that Belgian whip beer. Um, so that's really nice. Um, you, got, you got to bring back the triple too, please. Giedi. Um, so we make two Belgian beers in the fall and winter, uh, Maud and Giedi. Maud and Giedi were both Belgian draft horses that we had on the farm. We, we don't have a, a small amount of, of names for our beers. Okay. <laughs> um, so Maud and Giedi were two Belgian draft horses. They're now a Belgian double and a Belgian triple. Um, the triple of which is 9%. Um, pretty dry for 9% and is really nice. Yeah, I, I love a good triple. So that's mm-hmm. that gets really good traction in the winter when it's kind of big beer season. Um, what is the, what's the story behind White Flag? White Flag, when you flag a horse, a horse jump, there's a white flag and a red flag and we, our marketing budget and people are small <laughs> and it's a Belgian whip beer that is white and so we called that white flag. That's about, no, that's about I, where I, we got. Well, <laughs> no, I, just, I was hoping that it was that, that it was that that's a great answer because I just I love how so far absolutely everything you've mentioned sticks to a very nice theme and has a story that fits into the history and the theme of your brewery. I I just I really like when breweries have a very strong identity and you you definitely have a very strong identity with everything follows the same story and theme. I like that. Yeah. I mean, there's so much history on the farm, you know, when you're, when you're at our tasting room and, and in the big patio in the orchard there, you, you feel definitely like you've kind of been transplanted to a different spot. You feel very much like you're, you're on a big family farm because you know, there's always an owner there when we're open and um, you know, being uh, overnight camp since the 30s, you can imagine the kind of built-in clientele that we have. We get once a weekend at least. We get couples or one person that comes back and says, "I was in camp here in the 70s, and I can't believe this is the same spot that you now have breweries that I can bring my kids at." You know, so that's that's been fun to, for me to observe because you yeah, know, that... in the grand scheme of things, I'm an outsider. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so that's been fun. You know, just the we we often talk about when we if we would have a Wardaka like camp alumni weekends those would be our uh, biggest weekends because everybody has such a everybody that's been there and spent some time there or their kids have spent some time there they got a great great feel for the place and for someone like me who who didn't have that experience just going out on that patio on a, a warm afternoon it's so pastoral and the kids in the horse lessons will go by on one of the trail rides and it's it you are transported you're absolutely right and and I wanted to ask one thing that we talked about briefly this morning mm. is the the idea of building a brewery on that farm kind of came about because I understand you guys were kind of looking for a way to diversify in yeah. a way the whole farm uh, what you're going to do with the rest of this farm. Yeah, you know, um, you know, my in-laws, the kind of generation that's that's running it right now, the second generation, kind of came to the third generation and said. You know, um, again, we want to diversify. We want to do something that had some some added value, something that brought some more to the farm. And um, we talked about a lot of things, livestock and Christmas tree farm. And, you know, um, the farm brewery, you know, we, we obviously, I was in the beer industry, you know, um, for a good time before that. Um, and the farm brewery, you know, Tom Barris at Milkhouse had kind of had that up and going. Um, 
once we started talking about that, you know, that that was hard to get off that idea. Yeah. It was basically me being having to stop losing sleep at night and say, okay, let me, there's a lot riding on me making beer here. But uh, once once we decided to do it, it was a no-brainer. And, um, yeah, we just kind of started to write a business plan. And, and the biggest thing was kind of checking with, um, you know, checking with the, the things that are going on, on at the farm already and making sure that we could integrate that properly. You know, my in-laws house is right across the alley from, from the brewery, right across the little, little drive there from the brewery. So we want to make sure that they're okay with it. We have limited hours, you know, we close at eight o'clock, uh, every night and six o'clock on Sundays. So like that's, you know, that's helped that that's eased the impact there. We're only open four days a week. So, you know, Monday through Wednesday, the people that um, board their horses there feel like they have the place to themselves, you know, so we're, we're cognizant of integrating properly with the farm. You know, we want to, we're happy that people are there, but we want to try to, um, you know, we want to try to make everyone's experience, um, good, you know, good in the, in the whole process of the brewery. And I think it's gone over well. The boarders, um, for the most part are ecstatic about the brewery. They bring their friends, they bring their family, they go for a horse, you know, trail ride and then come to the brewery when we open and they're, they're pretty good about it. You know, we're, we're learning crowd control, you know, we're, we're just like any other, you know, we're going through some growing pains in the, in the spring and summer here when it's when it really gets rocking and rolling, we're kind of learning on how to handle that. But, um, for the most part, it's been, it's been really fun. So you didn't have, it wasn't a really hard sell to, not for me <laughs> to get that, but to get your in-laws buy in to open a brewery on the property. Was it, it's so funny. Did it take some arm twist, not, not quite arm twisting, but some really talking into, or were they very amenable from the beginning? They were, they were pretty game from, uh, from the get go. I think they were surprised. They are not, my in-laws are not into craft beer at all. <laughs> um, and I think they were surprised that, at um the popularity that there has for it let's put it that way so um and then yeah no they've been supportive the whole the whole run so it's been yeah it's been great and i feel this is definitely something i should know um but are, are there other farm breweries in montgomery county so we were the first to open we opened december 2015 i'm sorry uh december yeah 2015 um brookville beer farm is is kind of right they're like two miles away from us they opened I want to say sometime in that summer of 2016. So there are two farm breweries right now in, in Montgomery County. And that, that's re- really close to you? Yeah, or? two miles down the road. Has that helped you? or is it? Uh, you... So, yeah, I mean, there is plenty of population in this area. While you feel very much like you're in the country, there's plenty of population. Olney is right down the road. Um, and then we get a lot of people from Gaithersburg. Um, so there's definitely enough population to support you know, two spots. Um, I think we're both offering different feels and that's been good for both of us. You know, I think it would be, um, it'd be worse if we were felt like two places that were the same and there's not that, I don't think there's really that feel. So yeah, it's been, it's been great. That's a, there's been a bunch of people have talked about like they having other breweries really close to them actually isn't bad at all for them because then now it's an easier decision if someone's going out wanting to try breweries like if i go to if i go to wardaka i can also hit up yep the the, was it brookville Brookville beer farm brookville beer farm right afterwards so the beer from the beer tour tourism aspect of it you get an added draw from we're definitely seeing that yep we're definitely seeing that and again like while there is population right where we are most people are i would say we should keep this stat. I wonder what your average commute was. Tell us what your average <laughs> commute was. I would imagine it's in the 20 minute time zone. So that's for some people that might be a long distance. Uh, and so yes, having two, um, is great. And, and, um, 
yeah, no, they've been good to have. And if I need something, I can call him and get a bag of grain or, and he can do the same thing. So yeah, it's a, it's cool to have a neighbor. Like I said, we're in the country, so it's crazy that, <laughs> that we have a neighbor, but yeah. we do. <laughs> so are you the only one brewing right now or do you have an assistant? So I have an assistant, um, that helps on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Thursday, he's doing some beer deliveries for me. And then when we usually brew on Wednesday and Friday and he's brewing right now, we're doing a double brew. And so I started this morning and he's going to finish up. How many places do you guys distribute now? So at last check, I would imagine we're at the 50 account, 50 different account range. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's tough because some, some accounts are more active than others, you know, but um, I would say we're in the 50s somewhere there. Um, do, you, do you know who Tim Smith is? is sure do. Uh, he's a he's a big fan, and uh, yeah, I believe the words are, you're hot. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Tim. You're hot too, buddy. <laughs> so are you are you um are you you're distributing also yeah so we self-distribute so um you know we're in montgomery county um so we can self-distribute but we're also a farm brewer and we can self-distribute um we're going everywhere from kind of the silver spring bethesda um tacoma park area and from brewery down to that, all the way over to Baltimore, kind of Linthicum, Baltimore area, or up to Sykesville, kind of that, you know, Route 70 right now is kind of our barrier, and then over to Frederick. So we're kind of in that, um, you know, kind of hyper-central uh, Maryland. We're, we haven't yet gotten to, like, Annapolis. Uh, we haven't gotten to the Eastern Shore. We haven't really gone above Baltimore to Demonium or anything like that. But, um, yeah, you know, we're, we're you know, we're um, taking the model that if you can pump beer – the, the, the closer you can keep beer and keep your accounts real um, active, then that's better than, than driving all the way to Annapolis or to the Eastern Shore or something. But in a, I mean, a very short amount of time, you've already, you hit the ground running. Yeah, yeah. You know, we, um, yeah, um, our sales rep is, is doing a good job, and um, I think she rolls in with these crowlers, and that's a that's a good-looking package, just throwing oh, a bar I, there. I and love the, your packaging. It's great. Especially the three of them together. So is that... Is that all three of the labels you use, or do you have we, other ones also? No, so yeah, we have we have four different lo- different logos, different uh, cans there, and the Crowler's been great. You know, um, Oscar Blues owns the Crowler, and my wife and I were at Oscar Blues in, in Asheville, and I don't even think the brewery was really going yet, but we saw that they had a Crowler, and we said, if a brewery ever happens, we're going to go ahead and get one of those. And I think in the area, we were, you know, kind of ahead of the curve, and... Um, we're still doing a lot of edu- people come in and say, whatever that machine is and whatever it just made, I want one. So they, 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 they kind of just to see it go. Yeah, they they sell itself. They sell themselves. So yeah. it's uh, it's, yeah, it's been fun. Yeah. What's a great? I mean, I I love to take growlers home, but unless I mean, unless I'm going to have people over, typically I and I don't want to waste any mm. of it. But taking 32 ounces home is much more convenient than and with a crowler you can take it with you so many more places to the beach or yeah and we've thrown them on in backpacks while biking and yep yeah no they've been great we even have koozies at the brewery if you want to get real crazy you can just get a 32 ounce koozie and <laughs> sit on a boat somewhere but um you know what i really like them for is like again around the holidays if you're going to a christmas party you want to bring beer I mean, Growler right now, Growler or Crowler right now, the, I mean, I, I like drink, I like buying beer from the source because there's so much beer out there that if you buy something in the package or even, you know, even from a, a cold box, like you just don't know how fresh it is or, you know, whatever. So if you can taste the beer, 
put it in a package, go to your Christmas party and drop that beer off, then that's, um, I think that's the way to do it. I think that's kind of the, more and more people are noticing that that's the way to get fresh beer. Um, the crowlers, you can just drop that off and not have to worry about getting anything back. Oh, yeah, that's um, good... which is, which has been, um, I don't know. They're awesome and yeah, we love them. <laughs> and just cool to watch them spin around. There you go. <laughs> and who, uh, nothing wrong with a big old beer like that. <laughs> 32 <laughs> ounces. You don't have to move your seat too often. <laughs> Now, this morning we were talking, you were brewing the honey wheat, mm -hmm. and I guess it's the wheat is the grain that you got, the local grain, and got it locally malted, is yeah, that right? Yeah, thanks for asking. So, yeah. um, we have just started a partnership with um, Chris Mullinex of Mullinex Malting Company. Um, they're over on Tridelphia Road uh, in between 97 and 32. Um, I think they have a, a big farm there. Um, they they have been in the grain growing industry for a long time. Um they just started to grow two row that they're now um, two row barley that they're now malting for us. Um, and we're cutting it in at around 25% um, on the two batches we did today. It was 25% and we're going to kind of, you know, observe some sens sensory and see how it ferments and see the extract that we get out of that. But um, hopefully the beginning of a, a beautiful thing, you know, um, you know, I, I mentioned the things that we're doing um, that we're growing on the farm. We're trying to really um, focus if we can, if, if, you know, if Maryland can grow an ingredient, we want to use that, um, kind of as much as possible grain. We're kind of tiptoeing right now at 25%. We don't want to see a crazy shift in, in flavor or fermentability or extract. Um, but anytime we fruit anything, um, you know, we try to grow all the herbs that we can, um, you know, we, we get that all from, from either Montgomery County or Howard County for the fruit, you know, so when we fruit, you know, for instance, we had a blueberry, um, blueberry goza last year, which is like a tart, salty beer, low alcohol with, with blueberries. So it came out a nice, nice pink, reddish hue. Um, we're taking those blueberries from, you know, either Howard County or Montgomery County farms, um, kind of processing them in house and, you know, pasteurizing them as well as we can, and then adding them to the, to the beer uh, kind of at the end of fermentation. So, um, you know, we kind of definitely feel like it's our responsibility to try to use any ingredients that farms can produce. If we're not producing it in volume to, you know, go to the closest farm we can find and, and use theirs. Um, so, you know, uh, grain was kind of our, um, almost a chink in our armor a little bit. We weren't, we didn't have a ton of local grain going into our beers. Um, you know, the goal is, you know, I think he's got a 2000 pound, um, malt house, um, which would be, you know, that would, that's at our, that's good enough for us. Um, and probably a few other people. So we're ecstatic to use him, you know, um, obviously we're paying a little premium to have it locally made, but, um, you know, we, we think that our customers will value that as well. What size brew house do you have? So we are a 10 barrel brewery, um, with, uh, 80 barrels of fermentation and then another 20 barrel bright tank. Um, <coughs> and, uh, we had touched on briefly, the collaboration you did with Flying Dog as part of the Family Tree uh, beer. Have you done any other collaborations with local breweries? So we have not yet. We do have a Brookville Beer Farms um, has a collab kind of in the works that hasn't been released yet. But Montgomery County Beer Week is is quick approaching, and and Brookville Beer Farm took it on. Um, themselves to kind of uh do a collab so we do have that coming out you, can, you should look for that kind of coming soon but um those are only two happening right now so um do you have anything coming up or any special events you'd like to plug and talk about sure well um 
this is probably some of the last sane days coming before next week. You know, Craft Brewers Conference is um, coming next week, and that's going to be pretty crazy for us. Um, we have an event Tuesday night um, at City Tap House, which is the um, kind of the official family tree um, event. So that'll feature, um, it's a basically a tap takeover between Waradaka Brewing Company, uh, Flying Dog Brewing Company, uh, Manor Hill, uh, Vanish, and DC Brow. Um, so all of those breweries will get three to four taps at City Tap in Chinatown. That's Tuesday night at five o'clock. Um, and then Thursday night we have a, uh, we're lucky enough to take place in the double IPA, um, double IPA tap takeover at Meridian, uh, Meridian Pint in, uh, I guess that's Columbia Heights Thursday night. So there's some pretty fancy beer at that event. And I'm just happy that people will be tasting mine next to theirs. Cause I'm, I'm honored to be, be featured at that event. So those are our two kind of events we have for CBC. Um, and then, man, we, you know, we're, we're going to three, um, farmer's markets a month. So if you're in Silver Spring, Tacoma, or Bethesda, I believe, um, look for us there at farmer's markets. We roll up with a bunch of the cans and some beer to sample and you can bring your own growler and fill up. So uh, breweries have made farmer mar- farmer's markets much more enjoyable. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'll say. <laughs> <laughs> Just like taking your kid to horse lessons. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'll go with you to the farmer's market. Yeah, sure. Go. So, yeah, that's, that's going on. So um, we're kind of entering, you know, entering our, our busy season. We're at kind of, you know, we're at most of the bigger beer festivals coming up, you know, in the area. If it's a, if it's a relatively big beer festival, um, we're probably going to be there. I know one we're doing in D.C., I think, on the 22nd um, at Nats Park is a, is a pretty big beer festival there. Um, so, you know, the best place to find that is our website, uh, I'm sorry, is our Facebook page. You know, all the events are created on our Facebook page and that's a great way to keep up with what's going on, tap takeovers and, and those type of, in fact, I think we're at the Ale House in Columbia, um, Thursday night. So. And, uh, what's the URL for your website? Uh, it's, uh, waradakabrewing.com. Yeah. Waradakabrewing.com. And, uh, there's all kinds of information there. Uh, we run our, our tap list through untapped. So, um, you know, that can keep, that keeps our tap list on our website and our Facebook totally up to date. So if you want to know what we have on tap there, it's got a really nice, uh, frequently asked questions section. So if you're planning to come out to the brewery, we really hope you're coming out to the farm. Um, take, you know, peruse through those FAQs and that'll, um, give you all the information you need for your first visit. And, and you, you might also want to mention that I, I believe people can bring food, their own food, to the brewery. Correct? Sure. So I, I, I've done one of these before, and I totally forgot to mention where we are. We are in northern Montgomery County. We're in technically Laytonsville. The address is 4017 Damascus Road. We're at the intersection of basically uh, Georgia and New Hampshire, uh, if you're familiar with that area um, up there. Um, we are definitely kid-friendly. We're dog-friendly. Um, you can bring your own picnic. We do have some light food available, you know, cheese, crackers, hummus, pita chips, that kind of thing. But, um, you can definitely bring your own picnic. We got 25 picnic tables, lots of, lots of outside space. Um, definitely kid friendly, dog friendly. Um, and then we do pony ride. We are starting pony rides for kids on Saturdays. Um, it's kind of a first come first serve. Um, but if you want to drink a beer in line while your kid rides around on a pony. That's a beautiful <laughs> place to do it. Um, and then we also do in trail rides on Sundays, um, which start at three 30. They're for adults, but it's like an hour trail ride around the farm that finishes with a flight of beer, uh, when you're done. So, um, yeah, if you're into horses or beer, or you would like to get your kids into horses <laughs> while you get into beer, we are the spot to do it. And my, uh, my wife had sent me a thing, uh, asking if I wanted the 
sign our oldest up to a a, a summer camp for and it, it involved horseback riding. Mm. And my first thought was it's the last thing I want her to get into. But now I'm thinking it might actually not be that bad. There I you could go. get a free pass every weekend to it, go to a brewery. It's a go. beautiful thing. Chris. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Um, Barty, you know, we do have a summer camp that still runs out of the out of the farm over the summer months. So like we're still keeping, you know, Wardaka again, Washington recreational day camp. We're still doing that, that day camp part. We still have, you know, five days a week for eight weeks out of the summer. Um, Barty brings, brings campers. They swim in the lake. We have a climbing wall. There's a zip line and they, and they do horses. So, you know, we're still, we're still a little bit involved in the, in the day camp thing as well. So, um, you know, check them out if you do want to, if any of those, any of those things sound fun. So, Great. Well, thank you so much for coming in, Keith. It was great learning about Waradeka. Yep. I I am just pleased to see the beer sitting on the table that we will sample later. Thank you so much for bringing Plenty it. Plenty to take home and enjoy. Thanks for having me, guys. The Uncapped Podcast is produced by Graham Cullen and me, Chris Sands. Be sure to like us on Facebook. And if you've enjoyed these podcasts, please leave us a review on Google Play or the iTunes Store. A special thanks to Double Motorcycle for providing our theme music. Thanks for listening.